Hello and welcome to Switch It. England aren't quite on top down under, but they remain in charge of their World Cup destiny, having risen to the occasion in a must-win game against New Zealand. It looks like net run rate will be the decider in Group 1, with a strong possibility that Josh Butler's side could spoil Australia's barbecue by evicting the holders in their own backyard. With the Super 12s heading for a super tight finale, in part thanks to some not-so-super weather, I'm joined by a couple of super chaps, ESPN Crick Info UK editor Andrew Miller and assistant editor Matt Roller for one last look at the radar before the knockout stages. Um, good to see both. Before we get into the joy of matchups and NRR, Miller, perhaps you can tell us about clearing out your study. Yeah, yeah. Finally, finally got round to rummaging through the detritus, basically moved my study from upstairs to downstairs to as part of a grand bedroom shift in the Miller household, and I found all sorts of fun things, including. Um, uh, my my souvenir uh, brochure from the Stanford Super Series from uh, from two thousand eight, which, funnily enough, was uh, yesterday, fourteen years ago. So that was uh, that was a fun thing to dig out. There is an absolute auspicious is is a word. There's some absolute humdingers. I'll I'll just digress for a moment. I'll read you out uh, a little snippet from from one of the articles within. It was it's a, a, it's actually genuinely hilarious. It's on my phone here. So give me two seconds. No, this is not. This I, I I won't embarrass the person who did write it because you know um, it's it's full of full of utter nonsense. But basically, a perspex box jammed full of twenty million pounds in hard cold cash lurking just yards away left a lasting impression. It was actually quite difficult to grasp the magnitude of the declaration. This was, of course, Stanford unveiling his grand gesture at Lord's in 2008 after landing in a thanks on the lawn and all that. No sooner had the cash found its way safely back to the bank vault than it started. A section of the British cricket media started inking their controversial pens and reporting while drinking from a glass that was half empty. Not everyone, mind you, but a few found the need to get a penknife in. They just don't get it. Suddenly, with all the headlines, this jaw-dropping announcement stole, everyone near a laptop and an editor had an opinion. England players rapidly added to the chorus, while wholeheartedly welcoming the news as they would. Over-analysis appeared to be the tendency. Paralysis by analysis. It's absolute, absolute gold. Absolute cobblers. And, uh, yeah, never in doubt. Never in doubt. So, there we go. Remember it all like yesterday. Matt, presumably the Stanford Super Series was your gateway drug. I do loosely remember it, yeah, just about. Um, I remember. I think I remember waking up the following morning to to find out um, England had been been hammered. I remember um, the T Twenty Cup being the sort of the qualifying tournament for it, having some relevance. And uh, yeah, um, it's shame it died such a sudden and uh, and dramatic death. And the, like, yeah, the other thing it was memorable for, uh, just, just to segue once more, more uh, the, the last worst drop I've ever seen by an England fielder after Bowen Alley's drop of the day. Andrew Strauss wasn't actually playing for England, he was playing for Middlesex in a lurid pink outfit. He wasn't to part of England set up that stage. And I don't know what he did. It was, I think, from memory, it was even worse than Bowen. The ball didn't travel as far. Straight, straight up, straight, straight down, down, straight through. through. I, I, I don't, don't know where, where his head, head was, was, but it, it wasn't, wasn't, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't in, in the middle, middle of that, of that field, field, that's for sure. Well, yes, it was probably counting uh, imaginary uh, banknotes, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> uh, there were a few candidates, actually, uh, I noticed um, whizzing around after after Moeen's howler. Um, Mike Gatting, of course, uh, in... Calcutta, I think? And, uh, no, 92-3. Oh, and... Um, uh, and I was thinking of Joe Denley at um, mm. uh, Hamilton, I think it was, uh, a couple of winters ago, poor old Joffre Archer. Um, and I think, uh, to continue this digression, because uh, it's a rich a rich uh, vein, um, Miller, you found some caricatures of the press pack from the 2005 Ashes. Can we just confirm that the one that none of us could identify was actually you? It was actually me, yes. I, 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 look, I look like a munchkin with freckles, but um, but yeah. I look like a well-fed Matt Roller, actually. <laughs> Matt's got a lot of feelings to do, I think. Yeah, it was, uh, and the hair was very different as well. <laughs> well, you know, I've changed a lot over the years, as you can tell. I mean, maybe you you had a sort of wavy bouffant back then. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, Matt, the T20 World Cup, that's been, that's been happening um, as well and is arguably of equal interest to the contents of uh, Miller's study. Um We'll, we'll get into England's campaign um, uh, shortly. Uh, we're, we're deep into the tournament now. I want to know 
what, as the kids say, what are the, the pengist stats nugs that have caught your eye? Well, great question. I suppose the big one's been the, the conditions, isn't it? It's been how, how the new ball was dominated um, in a way that we perhaps didn't quite expect, but I suppose that's mm. the, uh, that's, that's the, um, that's the result of staging a tournament um, in what is the sort of Australian equivalent of, uh, the end of March and the start of April <laughs> and in the UK and um, I asking people to play on some pretty, pretty damp pitches um, as we're seeing it, you know, we're recording this during Bangladesh's game against India, where it's particularly wet after, uh, after a pretty hasty resumption following a, a quite a heavy shower. Um, so, but yeah, I think that's that's probably been the big, the biggest standout trend that um, maybe wasn't anticipated before the tournament is just how much the new ball has uh, has dominated, and I think we've probably seen a slightly different style of T Twenty cricket to um, what people have grown accustomed to, especially watching in England and India over the past um, however many years. Um, there's been a certain amount of um, you know, batter been slightly more circumspect at the start, but um, it's been pretty, pretty exhilarating at times. Some of the new ball bowling, um, and yeah, um, long may it continue. Yes, and um, well, that sort of un- unforeseen element and, and the weather has added added to the jeopardy, which uh, we certainly uh, like to see at, at a World Cup. But Bangladesh are are still giving it a go. Actually, hundred for three needing uh, fifty one off twenty six balls in their rain reduced chase, and that really. Um, yeah, would uh, set the tigers among the pigeons in uh, in that in that group uh, with Bangladesh to upset India. Uh, that would be a second defeat in a row for them. Um, but anyway, to to England's campaign um, and to Brisbane, the Gabatoire, uh Miller, Joss Butler um, set the tone in 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 a way that England really needed him to. Um, opted to bat first, top scored with seventy three. Um, and then pulled the strings uh, off uh, from behind the stumps in his, in his role as captain in a 20-run win that moved England up to second uh, in Group 1 with one game left. Um, Avish, uh, our esteemed colleague, wrote that this was a, a full day out for Butler. Uh, in his 100th T20i, um, he also eclipsed Owen Morgan as uh, England's highest run scorer in the format uh, during his innings. Um, and it went pretty well at an opportune time for him. It really did. And it's actually fascinating. I think it's been widely acclaimed, uh, not just by Vish, but various others have picked up on the notion that, yeah, this was this was the, the moment that he he really stamped his mark as a leader. And it's, you know, obviously it's early days for, for how he's gone about it, but it does look intriguing to almost inverting the way in which Morgan went about things. It was very much chase dominated, you know, trusting that whatever happened if he bowled first and, you know, England were often prone to conceding quite big scores when bowling first, but always on the assumption that, you know what, we've got more guns than you, we will chase it down. The way Butler went went about it yesterday almost looked a little little bit more, you know, leading from the front is a bit of a cliche when it comes to uh, captaincy. You know, it's often a euphemism for you're not actually a very good captain, so score some runs and, and, you know, you're leading from the front by example. But the way Butler went about it was actually sort of subverted that in my my estimation. So... I mean, Matt himself, you did the interview with him out in Pakistan recently where he talked about how he's evolved as a T20 batter and how he wants to sort of extrapolate the ability to to start hard in the power play and finish hard in the finishing role and thereby be the complete batsman across an entire innings. And so on the occasions when he bats first and he comes off, you can almost see that Butler knows that, you know, if I have managed to do what I've done in this innings, in these conditions... I'm probably the best player in the world at doing that. Therefore, you know, whatever I put on the board will be enough if I play my cards right. And, you know, he, he used the information that he took out of batting for such a long time, 40 balls, uh, 40% of the innings, I think it was, that he faced uh, in his time out there. And he used that information to process the way that he shuffled his pack. So he had Moeen Ali bowling a single over right at the top because, you know, clearly spin was a was a factor. And, you know, he, he trusted the fact that his, his seamers would be Brutal at the death, and they, you know, Mark Woods key over didn't even bowl Wood his full four overs, but uh, that third over that he did bowl really did blow any hope out of the water because, in all of a sudden, you know, you take a wicket, concede three runs, suddenly the, you know, the, the, the asking rate was escalating, and then you got Chris Wokes and Sam Curran to do what they have done incredibly well recently. So there was a confidence, a calmness, and and a, a trust in his resources that. Um, was very, very different to almost uh, 
you know what what we saw in the in that truncated game against Ireland was much more tentative, much more reactive, almost as though they weren't uh, almost shy of 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 taking the piss, I suppose, against against a, against a lesser a supposed lesser team. You can't you can't shuffle your pack and then be made to look stupid against a team like Ireland. Whereas here it's like well you know it's do or die time. It's almost like referring back to the top of his bat handle as 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 he often does. Is sometimes uh, sometimes the best thing to do is just just plant plant the dog and and woof it. And uh, and and it was it was a tremendous performance. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, you touched on some of kind of uh, some of the issues England have faced. They've had um, three completed games now: a washout uh, against Australia. Um, Matt, they began with what looked like a, a sort of fairly straightforward win over Ireland, a laboured run chase, and and perhaps a missed opportunity to up there net run rate and we will be coming back to that um a little acronym uh, uh, throughout the show i imagine but um you know they, they got the job done there and then very much didn't get the job done uh, against ireland chasing with the the knowledge that there might be rain around usually that sort of gives you a little advantage on the dls but they found themselves just five runs behind the pass score when when the rain came in and having I mean, we talked a lot in the build-up to the tournament whether they go with the extra batter, the extra bowler. England have a luxury of, of plenty of all-rounders. They they've got a, a deep batting lineup, um, and, and perhaps didn't really utilise it to the full in the way we'd sort of expected. Certainly, the, the Morgan era England, uh, uh, you know, to, to to just you know pedal to the floor uh, from the outset, um, and against a team like Ireland, where as you say, uh, whereas Miller sort of touches upon, uh, uh, England would perhaps expect to to boss that a little bit more thoroughly. Uh, obviously, they they started pretty disastrously uh, and then were off the pace when even when Moen Ali did get going. Um, so, they, I mean, they really needed a performance here against New Zealand because otherwise they were pretty much out. But it, it, it hinted at you, some of those issues that they've um, come up against earlier in the tournament. Yeah, it was... Uh, it, it kind of felt like England's T20 World Cup properly started on Tuesday night, about 10 days after it was meant to, because they had a mm. really, really strong first 20 overs against Afghanistan in, in the field and with the ball. Um, but weirdly, I think because because of the fact they were playing in front of a relatively small crowd in a very big stadium, it, it sort of felt quite um, felt quite empty almost as a game. So I think especially because it came after the curtain raiser, which was New Zealand, Australia. It happened very late at night, Australian time. It felt like quite a low-key opening game. Mm. Then to sort of to, to play a, a mid-afternoon game against Ireland, again, at a, you know, in front of a small crowd at a huge stadium at the MCG, um, and to really not turn up at all, having played some pretty good cricket in the um, four or six weeks heading into the tournament, both in Pakistan and in Australia um, prior to the tournament. That that felt like a real um, a real sort of off day where, as you as you sort of said, um, they bowled very poorly with the new ball, which probably cost them in quite a lot of ways because they conceded a, a pretty decent total, despite the fact they dragged it back massively in the second half of the innings there. Um, and then with the bat, they they yeah really didn't seem to um, bat like a team that uh, had had the batting depth that they do. I mean, you look at the side that they're picking at the moment with Chris Wokes coming in at number nine. Um, you'd think that there should be freedom for anyone to go hard at any point, but um, they, they really didn't play like that, especially with the sort of the rain threat looming throughout that innings against Ireland. They really didn't seem to sort of want, it didn't seem until right at the end that it came into calculations that, hang on, this is going to be a, a screw up in a second if we don't start going hard. And and so it proved. Um, so, and then especially with the washout against Australia, it really felt like England were um sort of going into to Tuesday's game you know it, it was a it was a do or die game really it was close to a knockout game um I suppose effectively not an effective quarterfinal an effective sort of round of 16 game almost but um yeah it was it, it was a huge game and for them to have put in the performance they did I think was um really important I think it was while it was a 21 20 run win I think at various points it felt quite a lot closer than that. I think particularly when that partnership was building between uh, Glenn Phillips, who, who played pretty well, um, and Kane Williamson, who sort of anchored. And while his 40 or 40 is sort of split opinion and has come in for a fair bit of criticism, I think, overnight, it, it sort of felt like there were eerie parallels to the semi-final in Abu Dhabi last year where Daryl Mitchell had played a similar innings and then had exploded at death and taken the game away from England. So it it felt um 
on a knife edge for a lot of it but then i think they um they sort of tapped into the the form that they'd shown in in the build up towards the end and i think um you know the, the two sort of standouts right at the end were the two two of the guys that have really impressed in that build up period in mark wood where he bowled a brilliant over um to dismiss jimmy Neesham, i think the 15th um and then sam curran who has turned into this gun death bowler out of nowhere really um in the last year or so but i i think the really interesting one with curran like he's 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 got to the point where he's actually a really really experienced player um mm-hmm. despite the fact he's you know he's he's a young guy he's 24 um but he's played you know i think 140 something t20s across his career um and much as some of those have been um in lower pressure situations by by the very nature of the fact he plays for Surrey, he's generally played in front of pretty big crowds um even from the age of 17 or something like that so he's he's always come through even when he's been playing in um, the sort of lower stakes games rather than internationals or IPL games. He's he's always been playing in front of big crowds and um, often been sort of asked to do uh, difficult jobs and and a number of different roles. And he just sort of seems to have really um, risen to the challenge that he's had over the past however many months um, becoming England's death bowler, which isn't something you would have expected at all. And sort of thinking of his skill set, you'd think sort of, you know, skiddy medium pacer bowling low to mid eighties miles an hour. It doesn't make a lot of sense for him to suddenly be this gun death bowler, but he, he's, I think he's bowled really cleverly throughout the whole thing. I think um, his line's been really good. He's, he's sort of forced batters to hit towards the big side. He's been pretty clever in terms of what he, uh, what his plans are. And he's been confident enough to bluff. I think that, that Yorker, that leg stump Yorker to Tim David in the uh, series against Australia, probably the best illustration of that. So um, yeah, for those two guys to sort of close out the win, I think was um, was very impressive. After England, you know, did did reasonably well with the bat, but probably um, posted a score that New Zealand would have felt for a significant chunk of the innings uh, was attainable, if not, um, you know, I think it was probably above par, but I, I I don't think it it put them out out of sight by any means. Yeah, I mean, we referenced Moeen's drop at the the, the top of the show, um, and you, you kind of kind of thinking if he'd have caught that. Um, uh, getting Glenn Phillips out sort of much earlier in the chase, then the the finish might have been uh, altogether more comfortable for England. Although it, it ended quite comfortably because, as you say, that the, the way they turned it around with their um, death bowling and Miller. This is sort of in in stark contrast, really, to how things went a year ago uh, in Abu Dhabi. Uh, I think on uh, on um, uh, the other night in Brisbane, New Zealand needed fifty seven off thirty balls. Um, and didn't didn't get that close in the end. Um, in in that World Cup semi final, they needed fifty seven off twenty four and did it with an over to spare. Um, so <laughs> clearly, Sam Curran is is a big part of that um, turnaround. He he is um, sort of far and away the gun death bowler at the moment. Um, and you touched on Mark Wood's kind of uh, the significance of his over. Um, I don't know if it's fair to say that. Uh, Butler maybe has a few more tools than it felt Morgan did at this time last year. I mean, the, the personnel is largely the same, um, but it, I mean, they, they certainly um, showed how much, you know, that that side of their game is in a much better place uh, a year on. Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, to be fair, there's not an awful lot you can read into the, the dismally one-sided nature of last year's tournament with whereby basically chasing chasing a match was winning a match i mean you know the stats back that up it's not just sour grapes to point out that the the, the the conditions were were loaded and it was really quite the due fact is not so significant here yeah <laughs> although you know the, the, although the soggy factor is a significant uh, aspect uh, but no, I mean, I suppose it's just a year on and 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 a year year more experience, you know, for guys like you know, particularly Sam Curran, you know, twenty three last year, twenty four this year. I mean, that that's you know, it's a sixth of his sixth of his experience has been expanded in in that time. So you know, he's um he, he's he's a he's incredible. I mean, the thing the thing that really gets me in many ways is his bouncer. It's just, it's such an incredible weapon. It's pinpoint accurate, and yet he's such a Obviously, being a left armer is 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 a point of difference in the first place. But he's so short and skiddy, and yet his bouncer really steeples up. I don't know how he don't know how he he manages to get that combination of of sharp, starkling lift. It's not it's not like it's not like having having a traditionally skiddy bouncer like a I don't know Malcolm Marshall sort of comes at you comes at you hard and flat and onto you before you know it. But this is a very different sort of vertical takeoff type of bouncer that that really cramps all sorts of attempts. You know, ramping even that sort of 
vertical lift is is difficult to difficult to expect when it's when it's onto you so quickly. So, I'm 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 impressed by you know he, he, I think he's added a yard of pace as well. I mean, bear in mind he was um he had a stress fracture last year, missed missed the tournament as well, which was you know he was there he was in the Sky Studio, um uh, watching watching on. I mean, this early in the summer, he was he was still feeling it, wasn't he? I mean, he he played a few county championship games. I think he bowled five overs in the course of a month, uh, because he was he played played basically as a batsman, and uh, you know he started tonking the ball all over the place in that in that period. But he was he was very very gingerly introduced back to bowling, even even when it looked like he was he was fit in every other respect. And now that he is back, I I think he's quicker. I genuinely do think he's he's a sharper bowler than he was um, before that injury. Um, you know, not 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 rapid, rapid, but you know, he's he's consistently mid eighties, sometimes pushing mid to high eighties. Whereas previously you you just said he was a seventies seventies stroke eighties bowler. So it's uh, and that I think is is a significant factor. The left arm factor, uh, Mark Wood's extreme pace is a factor. Chris Wokes's return is a factor. Um, you know, the the England and also the options that England have got with with Moeen and Liam Livingston as well offering spin options the only i suppose the only real concern and uh, obviously it was undermined by uh, a dismal drop catch but Edel Rashid's form is is a worry uh, in all honest all honesty i mean Mark, uh, Matt would have watched more of uh, more of him out in out in Pakistan where i think he started pretty well he got four wickets in the first three games and then then nothing for for the rest of the series from what i remember and and yeah he just he seems seems to be a little bit less less of a threat less of a weapon he was obviously very much the owen morgan go to weapon he would trust him in every single phase of of a game um he doesn't feel like quite the quite the trump card uh, that that he was in the previous regime but um you know Having said that, he'll probably be, he'll probably be the crucial man in in this deciding game against Sri Lanka, won't he? He's currently currently wicketless from from three games, although should have had the wicket of Glenn Phillips as we have um, touched on more than once. Um, Matt, there were quite there were quite a lot of um, tactical uh, intrigue to get stuck into, really, um, in this game. I mean, it felt like quite a, a sophisticated matchup. Uh, in the in the broader sense, really, uh, Daniel Russell was getting very excited about what he was going to write about uh, from the ground. Um, I mean, you had both uh, Moeen opening the bowling in the power play for England and Ad- Adil Rashid uh, bowling an over um, with the restrictions on. Uh, you had England's kind of flexible batting order, uh, which is not sort of particularly groundbreaking when you've had a, a substantial opening partnership. But to throw Moeen Ali up to number three for... I think the second time since 2015 or something like that, um, or maybe the second time in his T20 international career, um, and uh, and then I mean New Zealand also kind of uh, you know trying to trying to get through the overs of their spinners and and they and when you might have thought England were going to try and take down Santner and Sodi and they actually were the most economical bowlers on the field, um, so there was yeah there was a lot of stuff to 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 get stuck into there. Yeah, it was a, a really interesting game to watch, and I think the it, it, there were times where it felt pretty frantic and pretty frenetic. But I think throughout, um, it was a really sort of high quality game and um, sort of the best of T Twenty really. And that there were, you know you could enjoy the game on its own terms, and there were also um, a lot of nuances to get stuck into as well. I think particularly enjoyable when. Um, Hales and Butler were sort of struggling to get the spinners away, and you, you saw you know the TV broadcast cut to the um, dugout where you had the the you know the sort of gladiator style. Who's going on next? Moeen, Livingston, Brooks, Stokes, all padding up. Milan sort of shuffling around awkwardly, thinking I'm probably going <laughs> to probably on the greasy pole here. Um, and so approved, but yeah, I think um, England's sort of flex flexibility has been. I mean, it's a really strange one where you have a substantial opening partnership and you bat as deep as England do because the the task is basically to send everyone out there and try and go as hard as you can for as long as you can. And while there weren't really any significant contributions from the middle order, I think Liam Livingston, who got 20 or 14, was the only guy to reach double figures. Mm. Um, They did actually, you know, they did actually scrap England up to what looked like a pretty competitive score and what proved to be a pretty competitive score after a... Um, I, you know, admittedly from a good platform, but they added, I think, just under 100 in the last 10 overs. Um, and I think that's, I suppose, the 
you know, the stuff we hear so much from the England camp about being positive and fearless and all that stuff did actually come across when you have, you know, Harry Brook and Sam Curran, I think, face six balls between them, but hit two of them for six. And that's absolutely priceless at that stage of the innings. That's what they're there to do. And, um, you know, while Brook will probably leave this World Cup having faced not very many balls and um, probably won't have incredible headline numbers in terms of his average and strike rate, especially compared to what he did in Pakistan, he'll presumably... Um, have made a couple of contributions like that where um you know the sort of that's that's his his value add i suppose is the ability to come out and um you know swipe someone for six second ball is is um hugely important so yeah i i i don't i think it will be very very interesting actually to see now how england um use ben stokes throughout the rest of the tournament because they were very fixed on the idea he would bat at four um, and sort of since since leaving since arriving in Australia, basically, I think that's been the message from the camp. Which, you know, we we feel as that they feel as though Ben Stokes hasn't had any clarity in his T20 role, and that's why his uh, record isn't very good compared to the other formats with the bat. Um, and it's very important for him to get as clear a role as possible as early as possible, so that he can have some time to uh, grow into it. In fact, he's barely faced any balls across the whole time he's been there. Um, and it sort of it feels increasingly difficult to see how he's gonna um, be the guy who wins them a game from number four. That said, you know, obviously we've seen in um, the ODI World Cup, obviously in 2019, that he's you know he he does have a um, good record in in crunch games and could easily come out and um, play a crucial innings against Sri Lanka in the in their next game. But I think particularly the experience of the Ireland game where England clearly regretted the fact that um, Liam Livingston and Moeen were sort of wasted down the order, barely phased any balls between them. I would be not at all surprised to see Stokes ending up in the sort of, you know, number six, number seven type role um, for the rest of the tournament and more earning his place as the the fourth seamer. Um, because his bowling's actually been very good in this tournament, I think. And he's, he's obviously sort of been recast as a new ball bowler. Um, he bowled, one over the other night, which went mm. for 10 runs, but got a wicket that sort of started the um, the swing towards towards England, even though, you know, Williamson wasn't exactly scoring at a mm. particularly particularly high rate, but it did feel like a turning point, that, <laughs> that wicket, in that it brought a new batter in, um, yes. who was then tasked with going pretty hard pretty early. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it'll be really interesting to see how they, how they sort of manage the Stokes question for the rest of the tournament, because so much of Stokes's uh inclusion in this team and the setup has been dealing in the intangibles and the sort of mm. you know the um the idea of what he could do rather than the sort of the plain truth of what he has done um and i suppose heading towards the next three games that's where um those intangibles need to need to turn into something a bit more concrete um if england are to win the tournament that said they you know they've just put away one of the one of the better sides in the group um fairly convincingly uh and he he didn't do a huge amount in the game so maybe they're absolutely fine without him and it's just a nice a, a nice sort of um luxury to have to have a, a you know a, a, an all-rounder who's maybe not performing as, as he could but is still part of a winning side and contributing in small ways i mean the interesting thing the interesting thing with stokes though is the is just um you know, you talk about the intangibles. There's one of the key intangibles that England are now entering because we're we're, we're effectively knockout cricket henceforth is is knockouts and and you know the 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 sheer tightening of of sinews when it comes to do or die games is you know the round robins are one thing but I remember I remember specifically from the 2016 World Cup which obviously as we all know didn't go so well for Stokes in in, in the death but I remember England's mantra under Owen Morgan right from the right from the outset was embrace the naivety he said in the first press conference it was, it was quite a nice catchy phrase he used so this was a, this was obviously bear in mind a year after the beginning of Morgan's official reign as captain so. Uh, the team was a work in progress. They clearly had talent. They clearly had drive, ambition, all the rest of it. But they had no experience. They hardly had even played in the in the IPL, let alone uh, let alone regular T Twenty cricket. And so, they went on a journey of discovery on that tour, on that on that uh, event, and it got them only so far. They played magnificent cricket, particularly that run chase against South Africa, which was which was eye popping at the at, at the time. Um, but when it came to that crucial moment, I remember the press conference for for Owen Morgan um, on the eve of the Calcutta final, and he he basically admitted that he was going to have to change his mantra. It's like it's not about embracing naivety anymore. You you've got to go into this one with your eyes wide open. You cannot avoid the magnitude of a World Cup final. We've got to we've got to have our minds 
differently attuned to this. And, you know, what we know about Ben Stokes is that his mind, when it came to the crunchiest World Cup final of all, his mind was absolutely utterly attuned. And therefore, you know, it's a bit like the, the guys who, who bossed England around at, at the crucial moments in 2016. The West Indians, who were used to winning, used to playing on the massive stage like that, used to being champions of the world, uh, they did it again because they had the experience that required to get over that, that, that hurdle of being in knockout. So to put a, cut a long story short, that, I suppose, is the key imponderable when it comes to Stokes. Just the sheer presence of having him in the side when the going gets toughest. If you look, look in the eye of your opponent and say, who's, who's got the biggest cojones around here? Um, it'd be hard to deny that this guy, despite the fact he hasn't done much in the tournament, you know, put him, put, put, put him up, and up against your best man in a, in, in a gunfight. Um, you know, you'd be pretty confident that Stokes would at least hold his own. So uh, that, I suppose, is where it's at. Um, but yeah, up until then, I mean, you know, it, it was it, he's had a weird time. I mean, obviously, the other night when he slid down, was it number six? I think it, I, I, I personally, I remember doing the ball by ball at the time, and I thought, you know what, I wouldn't have Stokes coming in now. I'd have Sam Curran coming in. You know, it was it was specifically death over hitting what eight balls I think maximum to face. Um, Curran is a guy who has faced that position far more than Stokes recently. I'd have, I'd have put him in, and as as it turned out, I think he got six from three compared to Stokes's seven from eight. Was it? So, um, you know, it's his his moment hasn't come in yet, but uh, I wouldn't rule out the fact that it will come in. <laughs> it's uh, that's his highest score in the tournament so far. Um, just to segue out and, and on to something of biffing it from ball one, Bangladesh need 19 from the last five balls. Taskin Ahmed did hit his third and fourth ball for four and six, um, coming in at number eight. And he, oh, and, and uh, the uh, yeah, yeah, it's just got lively again. But um, I, I fear that it's going to be a heroic defeat for Bangladesh. Um, it sounds, Matt, from what you're saying, that uh, basically Ben Stokes had about six games at number four and it's time to move him. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, th- th- there is uh, th- th- some kind of interesting uh, team versus player dynamics and kind of, um, you know, the ego of the star man and all that. Uh, when England's depth in, in options is clearly a great strength and, and, and it's but only if you're willing to be flexible with it. Um it's it's interesting, isn't it? You ask someone like Stokes uh, or even David Milan at number three, you know, this is your role. Try, try and get used to it. And and we've, I mean, talked over time about how um, four is perhaps one of the hardest roles in T20 because you could be in, in the power play, two down and not many on the scoreboard, or you might have to come in in the last four overs and, and tonk it from the from the very off. And there are that's quite a, a tough role for a. Um, you know, even the very best players um, to, to, to bounce those competing uh, demands. Um, but, I mean, David Milan has, a, you know, a superb record in T20 internationals. Um, and yet England dropped their anchor in order to get going uh, the other day. And, he, you know, he slid right down to number eight. He can now say he has a strike rate of um, 300 batting at number eight in <laughs> T20 eyes, having got three off his one ball. Um, but, I mean, how tricky do you think that is managing kind of um, the, the the environment and, and, you know, players' individual kind of desires and wants? Um, basically saying, you know, you're our you're our third best batter, but actually um, in, in only in certain circumstances. Uh, otherwise, you've got to chew it up and, and you know, um, go in only if it really desperately requires. And someone like Milan, who presumably, and well, in fact, he's talked about it a lot, likes that time in the middle, likes to feel bat and ball, likes to, uh, to play himself into form, um, hasn't really, and obviously a washed out game doesn't help, but we're, we're, we're you know, three games left, or two games left before a potential final, and you know may feel like he hasn't had a hit in the same way that Stokes um, hasn't. Yeah, it's um, I guess it is a tricky one. I suppose you know it's difficult to comment from from here, but I suppose it's something that you just have to hope that the environment is 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 working and everyone's buying into the sort of the common goal and um, hoping mm. that there's a general sense of understanding that um, as to why certain things are happening. I think. Um, Milan's spoken about it a couple of times before sort of it obviously happened to him at the, the last World Cup as well where I think it, against West Indies when uh, 
England bowled them out very cheaply in the first game of that tournament and um, basically promoted all the hitters to try and increase their net run rate as much as possible. I think Milan ended up dropping down to, I don't think he batted, but I think he was due in at number seven. And I think he sort of said in the past, he understands why it's happening. And, um, you know, it's something you just kind of have to get on with and, and take on the chin because there's there's only so much um, point getting too, too down in the dumps about it. Um, but yeah, I think it is it is clearly a, a tricky thing to manage. And I think that that's that's yeah. one of the big things you notice at T twenty World Cups in particular is while in um, you know, while in in for example an IPL season, the chances are that over a, a period of time, um, your middle order players will get to face a certain number of balls and have a certain impact over a season. In a World Cup, especially when there are washed out games, um, you really might not have much opportunity to to do much. I think um I remember in the last T20 World Cup, I remember I did I interviewed David Miller earlier this year um, and sort of looking up, you know, checking his recent numbers. And I think in the last T20 World Cup, he faced something like 33 balls in the tournament and South Africa won four games, lost one and went out on net run rate. Um, and that's one of those where I think that that is, again, that's sort of a, a good a good argument for your best players to be promoted up the order. And I think that's um, that's in, in part why I think Stokes might well end up in the middle order, uh, sort of lower down the number four over the next little while, because I think England will be um, conscious of the fact that, uh, you know, they risk players like Moen Ali, who's in, in really good form. I know he didn't do much the other night, but he, he came into this tournament with really good um, record across the year. Um, and Liam Livingston, who, um, while he's not played a huge amount of cricket recently and and hasn't looked sort of, his probably hasn't looked at his best in the, in this World Cup so far. He's still compared to almost everyone else has shown the, the capacity to um, to hit boundaries very early on when he comes in, um, which is a, he, a rare he does skill. Keep so. trying to hit it out of the gabber entirely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he he didn't come too far off um, <laughs> against New Zealand. He had one absolute monster, didn't he? I think he won ninety eight meters. So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I wouldn't be at all surprised um, to sort of to, to bring it back if, if Stokes does end up batting at sort of number five, six, even seven across the next few games, just because I think England will be wary of um, wanting to get the hitters in as early as possible. I, I don't I realistically don't think there's any chance he'll be he'll be left out, for, firstly, because it would be such a massive statement to, to leave out a senior player in something like in, in this sort of tournament. And secondly, I don't think any of the options on the bench sort of demand inclusion in a way that, um, you know, I think you'd be, you'd be losing something somewhere. I don't think there's a like for like, and the, the closest that there is, is probably Chris Jordan or David Willey. And um, I'm not sure that the, given how well Stokes is bowled, I don't think the, um, the sort of Im- improvement that you'd be getting from anyone on the bench would justify that call. Um, so I think he'll keep playing, but I, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him slide down a little bit in the next couple of games. Total cricket uh, is the winner, as always. Um, so, Miller, we, we're down to the, the final games of the, the Super 12s. Um, and, uh, well, it's not quite all to play for because one or two teams are out. But uh, in in England's group, uh, it's a pretty simple equation. Um, beat Sri Lanka, and that will probably be enough. Uh, and they have the advantage, England, of playing after Australia play Afghanistan. Um, back to old NRR, um, Australia's thumping in that opening game against New Zealand has, has really uh, put them behind the eight ball for, you know, throughout. Um, they made up a bit of ground with, by beating Ireland the other night, but it wasn't quite as heavy a win as it looked like it was going to be when Ireland were 25 for five. Um, so Australia kind of has to go out all guns blazing and try and thrash Afghanistan into a cocked hat. Um, Afghanistan, who've been very unlucky with the weather, um, uh, two, had two washouts and, uh, you know, looking a bit forlorn uh, and winless. Um, and it's not beyond the, the, the realms that uh, Australia do give them, uh, you know, a proper tonking. But then England will know what they need to, to do against Sri Lanka. Um, New Zealand also play uh, Ireland in, in their final game um, in that group and would expect to go through. I mean, I think the swings required for them to win um, and somehow be eclipsed by run rate or by uh, on run rate by England and Australia are, are too enormous to to really contemplate. But um, yeah, it looks like it, it will be you know within England's hands uh, when we get to Saturday morning. Indeed, I mean it's it, it's remarkable, isn't it? It wouldn't be the first time that Australia have hosted a World Cup and gone out in the in the opening stages. It happened in the 1992 World Cup, obviously, and, and they were defending champions for that tournament as well as this one. But it, it would be quite it would be quite the quite the shocker if they if they did trip up. Um, I mean, I, the numbers the numbers do 
do favour England. I mean, it, it is a big swing. Bear in mind that, you know, England's run rate can, net run rate can only improve in the event of victory anyway. It's, um, you know, I think someone, someone crunched some numbers. I may, may not remember them perfectly. But if, if say, Australia chased 120 in 12 overs uh, against Afghanistan, then England would need to hunt down their target in about 17.5. So, you know, even that, uh, even that sort of magnitude of a win would give England some some pretty handy wriggle room for for uh, for a chase, um, but you know as we've seen, uh, weird things have happened. Rain has happened. England lost to Ireland. You know there 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 are, there are ways in which that this can just go wrong just by you know both teams could fall over in a heap and then suddenly Sri Lanka I think uh, still still have a have a snowball's chance in hell. Um, they could go through with six points if if Aust- if Australia can't win either. Um, so you know it, it it's not over. I mean, the one thing that is over: India are through with Bangladesh having valiantly lost by five runs in the in the other group just now. Um, that's a yeah, uh, that, that was a bit of a cruel um, rain rain affected defeat in a different way, obviously, because it didn't look like the conditions were particularly conducive uh, for a restart. But hey ho, um, you know necessary necessary uh, uh, adjustments must be made for for finances and all the rest of it. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, it, it's great. Just to, just to mention that, actually, I, I think one of England's massive advantages he- heading into this last round of games, and I, I don't think there's anything particularly at play here, given Australia is sort of host nation. So mm. you'd think it might be natural for them to have the advantage is just the fact that they play last, which, mm. you know, obviously um, in other sports, it's pretty common for the last round of group games to all kick off at the same time to avoid situations whereby... Um, one team, you know, where there's asymmetry of information, and one team has a massive advantage over another because they know exactly what they need. Whereas, you know, mm-hmm. Australia, poor Australia, I, I do. You, you've got to feel a bit for Australia, much as it's, it can be tricky. Ooh, where you know they're going into that, they're going into that game against Afghanistan, not knowing whether they need to just win. Um, because it, you know, if Sri Lanka beat England, they just need to to win the game, uh, mm. or win by sort of fifty runs, a hundred runs. Uh, in 17 overs, in 10 overs, etc. Whereas England will have the equation, you know, locked in. It will be mm. pretty clear straight away exactly what they need. Um, so there won't be any intangibles. Um, and just on the big three point, it's worth noting that for the second year in a row, second World Cup in a row, India play the last game of the the Super 12 stage, which is a, a really fortunate coincidence for them. <laughs> I don't know what you're suggesting, um, Matt. Um, they they are now up to six points in that group and i i don't think they're mathematically through but as matt says they play last so we'll know what they need to do um in a game against uh zimbabwe yeah and um to just to, yeah to touch on that group uh a bit further i mean obviously the main talking point has been pakistan mr bean but uh, but Zimbabwe um, upsetting. Uh, I mean, well, we should start at the beginning. Pakistan losing off the final ball uh, to India in, in an absolute uh, epic uh, game when Virat Kohli, remember him, uh, did some pretty good stuff. Uh, and then Pakistan losing off the final ball to Zimbabwe in a uh, well, an equally epic game, really, if you're Zimbabwean. But um, uh, and the the karmic retribution for sending a, um, a sort of Knock off Mr. Bean lookalike to uh Harari, as far as I could tell. Although Miller, perhaps you can uh, uh fill us in on the details. But I mean, the, the Pakistan uh, in Pakistan style have kind of gone off the rails in that group. Uh, again, I'm not sure if they're officially out or not. Um, because it does get rather complicated. They have two more games left and could still get up to six points. South Africa, uh, surprisingly, um, in a very un South Africa way, look to be the ones coasting through the group because they. Uh, are already on five points and they have a game against Netherlands left um, as well as a crunch match against Pakistan. But yeah, basically, it's all kicking off there. Isn't it, Jess? Well, just to touch on Mr Bean first and first and foremost, I mean, as far as I can tell, he he he, he starred in, a, in an ad- advert with, with, with Shahid Afridi, um, um, which I mean, he's, a very, he's a very good, very good Bean impersonator, to be fair. Yeah, he's, he's got he's got it all going. So he there he was. He was, he was a famous, famous for being, a, being an advert for a bank, I think, for, with Shahid Afridi. And then and rocks up in Harare with, with standing up in the top of a uh, uh, top of a open top open top limo and um, waving to the crowds and everyone's very pleased to see him. Yes, pretty much uh, the the Beanmobile, pretty much. Um, 
So yeah, um, absolute scandal, and the, and the, and the president of, of of Zimbabwe's weighed in as well, saying send the proper one next time. It's um, yeah, this 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 is this is frankly what I get out of bed for. This is this is far more interesting than cricket. Um, but no, it, it's a it's a it's a great um a great story to see uh, Zimbabwe punching to say above their weight is you know is demeaning because they are you know a test nation, but they've they've, they've plumbed the depth so so uh, frequently and um, so deeply um, that to see them, you know, just coming out there, having a, having a puncher's chance and, and landing a few in, in glorious fashion um, is, is great to see. It's great for the, great for the tournament. Obviously, we've got 20 team, 20 team tournament coming up in the future and, uh, and it's justifications for, for expanding uh, the footprints of the game uh, are, are there, to, there to be seen. Even the Netherlands, you know, obviously they, they're winless, but they, they, they haven't been they haven't been a disgrace at all. They, you know, they 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 fought their way through uh, to this stage in in a competitive um, previous round robin. Um, it, it 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 is proof that the more you give a chance to these guys to play on the big stage, the more they will rise to the occasion of the big stage. It's it's it, it, it's no different really to the notion that you know someone like Sam Sam Curran will get better with experience. You know, he may be a young player getting better, but. You know, put him in situations where he can learn. He will learn, and uh, these guys will leave this tournament uh, with their horizons broadened. With any luck, um, well, so you're at risk of um, attracting the ire of uh, the Dutch head of state uh, because the Netherlands aren't winless. They, in fact, uh, um, beat Zimbabwe. So uh, um, yes, uh, it is uh, all kicking off. Afghanistan are winless. So uh, yes, not not everyone is 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 um, experiencing the joys. Um, Matt, um, where's your money? Who is where's where's the trophy going? India looked heavy favourites or what among the favourites going going in, um, but lost to South, South Africa the other night. Um, it's you know England might not get through, Australia might not get through. It's 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 all looking delightfully like a lottery with the the, the knockout stages approaching. Uh, I think South Africa are a really good side. I think um, <laughs> I, I I think they've they've. Probably at this point, they would probably be my tip. I think they, given uh, their batting oh, lineup is, is with strong a, with against a dead weight captain, and uh... <laughs> well, yeah, but I think the rest of their batting lineup is so strong that, um, and especially they're they're very good players at pace off the back foot, good players at the short ball, which has been a big theme of this tournament. So, um, I think they look a really strong side, and their their seam attack has obviously been um, mm. very potent as well. Um, so. I, you know, obviously this could age like milk because they play Pakistan tomorrow and um you know Pakistan are, um much as much as I'm sort of loath to um Pakistan use the national Pakistan. stereotype Pakistan <laughs> Pakistan it's um you never know what's going to happen so um but yeah I, I think as far as I can see I think you know heading into this tournament I thought that there are probably six teams that could realistically win it um and I think those are probably the six that um still have a realistic chance with with Pakistan very much outsiders from this point but um yeah there's always just that that creeping sense that they could pull off something remarkable but yeah I think South Africa look a really good team I think India um are still probably feeling the the loss of Bumrah through injury and I probably can't quite see them getting over the line just for that reason I'm just not quite sure there's enough quality in their bowling attack um England, if everything clicks, New Zealand, if everything clicks, there are some some good sides out there, and I think that that's been the key. To be honest, is you know when the rain has stayed away, it's been a really gripping tournament. Um, there's not been uh, too many sort of thrashings or anything like that, and when they have, it's generally been um, generally been quite entertaining, regardless. So I think it's been a it's actually been a, a, a pretty successful tournament so far, and uh, particularly after the sort of undue influence of the toss in uh, in the UAE. This time last year, I think it's been really good to see it. Just such a such a competitive tournament. Um, throw up some really really good games as well. So long may it continue into the um, final ten days or so. Indeed, uh, and a bit of rain never hurt anyone. Um, before we finish up, I I just wanted to to uh, look at Cast and I over the England Lions squad. Um, Miller, that was announced. Uh, was sort of they'll be helping England prepare to play Pakistan uh, in test matches next month. So time rushes on. Um, Joffre Archer involved, uh, one of the sort of the top lines from that. And then uh, sort of the usual faces really um, in, in players who've been in the, the test team recently, Dan Lawrence, Hasib Hamid, um, Matthews, Potts and Fisher, um, and a, a, a young talent that uh, Matt spoke to uh, last week, uh, Rehan Ahmed. The eighteen-year-old Leggy, who's sort of 
in with a in with a shout, it seems, of sneaking onto the, the full tour. Well indeed. I mean he's um you know, he he's a guy who's I I spoke to him actually during the, the, the under nineteen World Cup last year, because obviously he was a major part in England reaching the final of that. And he's 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 a hugely precocious talent. I mean, you know, he's obviously famous for for being rustled up to the the England nets as a as a, I think an eleven year old for the first occasion to go down and bowl at them when when um, when they were preparing to um, to to face Pakistan spinners in twenty sixteen. And uh, you know, he's been he's been he's been he did indeed. Yeah, I think he I think he's got a few out. I think he mentioned Alistair Cook was was one of one of one of his victims. Uh, he bowled to Joe Ruse as well. I can't remember whether he nicked him off, but he he was certainly certainly bringing them off in 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 the chat we had. Um, but no, I mean, again, in in like what we were saying earlier about you know Adil Rashid, uh, you know, with all the rain around, we've been seeing a fair fair amount of uh, reruns of previous World Cups, and you know, you see the fresh faced Rashid in, in two thousand nine World Cup. Uh, Popping up in England's team, it's a reminder of just how how long he's been on 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 the scene and and the inevitability that uh, there will have to be a, a turnover. He's been a, he's been a massively important part of England's white ball uh, revival uh, down the years. Um, but uh, time moves on, and uh, Rehan Ahmed looks as though he's he's a type of guy he can bat as well, which is another crucial string to his bow. He's got the confidence, he's got the technique, he's got the skills uh, to to be the be the sort of the next next cab off the rank uh, to use the use use the cliche, but uh, you know the more 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 importantly, you know the the Lions are going to be out there to give England some practice ahead of this Pakistan tour, which is which is looming quite quite fast now. Actually, we're into November already. Um, it, you know, the, I think the, there is a fair amount of usual faces. I mean, Joffre Archer coming back is is fantastic. You know, evidence in from video that that he is bowling. Uh, with a, with a, with a, with a bit of zip again, um, you know, the, if his elbow holds up, hopefully his back will hold up as well, because obviously that's the thing that's that has um that has that has held him back for the past twelve months. Um, it's you know it's, it's a bit of a bit of the usual faces. There, I guess there are a few guys in there who will feel like they've got a real chance to make a point. They're they're playing England in a warm up game when they get out there. I mean, Dan Lawrence, I guess, is is probably the, one of the classic examples of a guy who was nearly there. You think of you know Alex Lee's being a guy who's been binned off, um, having been a man in possession during uh, the first summer of Basball. Um, Dan Lawrence, the guy who didn't even get a look in. I think he got injured at the start of the season and 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 was never in the shakeup, uh, despite impressing uh, with with sort of almost pre Basball uh, uh, approach out in the Caribbean. He was a guy who who took the game on uh in a way that um that perhaps uh, was a, was a, was momentarily ahead of its time before before the rest of the team was realized that yeah tonking its way forward so yeah he he's he's one of one of the classic types who will uh, have something to prove and but perhaps re- remind people that uh, you know he he's been there and and can be there again but uh, but yeah it's it is it is looming large already uh, test cricket is 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 not far away again as are um, and there, there, I should say there is also uh, a one-day series in Australia between the end of the T20 World Cup is, and the it? Pakistan Tour, <laughs> for which the squad has been announced. And Jason Roy's back in that. But with all due respect to the schedule, I think uh, most of us are looking past that one already. Um, that will do us for today, I think, um, mentioning the schedule. England take on Sri Lanka in Sydney on Saturday, hoping to end Australia's hopes of advancing, fair or otherwise. We'll be back to deal with the World Cup's pointy end in due course. For now, my thanks to uh, Miller and Matt, and to you all tuning in to the Switch Hit podcast on ESPNCrickInfo.com.